Guadalupe Radio presents Donancing Guadalupe, the podcast. Third chapter, The Celestial Queen. Juan Diego quickly left the bishop's house. It was already late, and he wanted to return to his town. He immediately went straight, following the road. It was cold as it was winter. The bishop had ordered some of his servants, in whom he had absolute confidence, to follow Juan Diego without him noticing. And then, when they returned, to tell him all the details. Who Juan Diego had seen, what he had seen, and who had he talked to. But the servants who were after him, where the ravine opens up next to Tepeyac, near the wooden bridge, came to lose him. And although they searched for him everywhere, nowhere did they see him. I don't see him. I think he went that way. He walks so fast. Maybe he's hiding. I don't see him anywhere. It's as if the earth had swallowed him. Ah, let's go back. These places are not very safe, and they are also uh, full of thorns. And so, they returned, not only because they had gotten tired from all the walking, but also because they were angry and upset that they had lost sight of him because of their own ineptitude. Perhaps they were upset that the bishop was paying so much attention to an indigenous Masewal, and they felt envious and rage, therefore accused him and lied to themselves. And what shall we tell the bishop? That he is a liar. That he made up a story. Uh, and, and that he hid when, when he realized that we were following him. I feel very uh, angry. He makes us look ridiculous. What is going to happen is that it will be the bishop who will be angry with us. He will think that we are uh, incompetent. And that cannot be! That cannot be! Well, well, sometimes when we do... So, they went back. And, because they were furious, they went to insist to the Reverend Bishop that Juan Diego only told lies. They went to tell him not to believe him, that all he had told him were just inventions. They put it into his head that Juan Diego was only making up stories, that he wanted to deliberately deceive him, or perhaps he had only dreamed of what he was requesting. Your Excellency, he imagined it in his dreams. Yes, they're only stories. He's a fraud. He's just a charlatan. But no more lies. Exactly. He makes up stories. He is shameless. Yes, how insolent. He is bold, barefaced. Everything he said is not true. It's not real. He even threw stones at us when he saw that we were following him. And he began to run so that we would not follow him. He's truly outrageous. And so, they said that if he came once more, if he comes back, we'll catch him. And, and 
Yes, and, and, and we will catch him, and, and with great force we will punish him. Hush deliciously, so that he never tells lies again. And he doesn't stare up people. Never, never again. Meanwhile, Juan Diego was in the presence of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He had walked quickly, following the road, and now he was next to her, right there, where he had seen her the first time, giving her the answer from the Lord Bishop. He asked me many things to make sure I wasn't lying or dreaming. However, he did not give me credit and said that, not only with my talk and my request, could he perform what he had been asked to do. That, furthermore, some sign was very necessary so that it could be believed that the lady from heaven had truly sent me. So I told him, Lord Bishop, tell me what it is, the sign you are asking me, so that I can go and ask my blessed mother who sent me here. And when he finished telling her what had happened, the great lady and queen replied, My son, the most beloved, here you will come again tomorrow so that you can take to the high priest the proof, the sign that he asks of you. With that, he will immediately believe you. He will trust you and will no longer suspect or doubt you. Juan Diego, rest assured, my beloved son, that I will pay you for your care, for your service, your weariness and devotion. Know that for the love you have shown me, you are blessed. Cheer up, my little boy. Tomorrow will be of great interest. So go now and rest. I'll wait for you here tomorrow. And it was then that the Guadalupana disappeared and Juan Diego returned home. Where were you, Juan Diego? We were looking for you all over. Your poor uncle has been very ill all day. He has a high fever. He's on his last. It is very serious. Yes, it is, Juan Diego. The next day, Monday morning, Juan Diego was to take the sign from the Virgin Mary to the bishop so that he would be believed. But Juan Diego did not return to see her because his uncle, named Juan Bernardino, was still very seriously ill. He went to call the doctor and spent the day looking for help, taking care of him in between, as he loved him very dearly. It seemed as if his uncle had little time left. He had a very high fever and could not drink water nor eat. Juan Diego, I don't think I can take it anymore. My, my whole body hurts and I can't even drink water. I can't stand the pain anymore. The doctor is coming, uncle. Don't worry, everything will be fine. You will recover. And at nightfall, on that cold Monday, his uncle begged him to leave early in the morning and go to Talatelolco and to do him the favor of getting a priest so that he would prepare him for his final rites and die in peace. Juan Diego, 
My dear nephew, I think this is the end of me. Don't talk like that, uncle. I... I am very certain. I feel it in my heart. It is time. It is time to die. I will no longer heal. I will no longer get up. And on Tuesday, still in the middle of the night, Juan Diego left from there, from his house, to call the priest, there in Tlatelolco. And when he came to reach the vicinity of the Tepeyac Hill, at its foot, where the road starts, towards the place where the sun sets, where it had risen before, he said to himself, If I continue straight ahead on the road... My noble lady will see me, and like before, she will stop me. This time to take the signal to the chief priest, as he has commanded me. I would like to go quickly, and have her not see me, so that I can respectfully call the kind priest, so that he can prepare my sick uncle to peacefully die. Oh, my poor venerable uncle, who does nothing but wait for him, so... He can have confession and have the last rites. Immediately, he went around the hill, up to the other side, towards where the sun rises, to get to Mashiko quickly, so that the Queen of Heaven, the celestial noble lady, would not delay him. But the Heavenly Queen, whose love is eternal and who's always looking at us, saw him. And... He saw her descending. From the top of the little hill, she had been watching him attentively. She came to meet him. She came to block his way. She stood in front of him and said, What is happening, my son? The smallest, my dearest. Where are you going? Where are you heading? And he, perhaps a little embarrassed, or perhaps ashamed, or maybe because of what was going on with his dear uncle that made him upset, or perhaps he was frightened of the situation. He kneeled in her presence and greeted her with great respect and said, My most beloved daughter, my queen, noble lady, I hope you are happy. How are you this morning? Are you in good health, my beloved little princess? I know I will cause sorrow to your beloved heart. Please take into account, my little princess, that my uncle, a servant of yours, is seriously ill. A terrible sickness has taken hold of him, and so he will soon die. Now I must urgently go to your little house in Mexico to call one of our Lord's loved ones one of our priests, so that he has the kindness to confess him and prepare him for death. Because in reality, we were born for this. We come to await the work of our death, for no one knows the day nor the hour. But as soon as I finish, I will immediately return here to take your venerable breath, your beloved and revered word. Lady, my little princess, please... Excuse me, I beg you to forgive me. Be patient with me a little longer. 
In no way do I deceive you in this, nor do I make fun of you. No shokuyue, no pilsine. My beloved little princess, my queen, my dearest. Because the first thing I will do tomorrow without fail will be to come to you in a hurry. And as soon as she had heard Juan Diego's words, the compassionate and pious Virgin Mary replied, Listen, Nashokoyo, my son, please pay attention to this and let it be deeply engraved in your heart. My youngest, the dearest, the thing that disturbs you, the thing that afflicts you, is nothing. Don't let your countenance, your heart be disturbed. Do not fear this sickness, nor any other sickness, nor anything else that is hurtful. Don't fear this disease or anything else that afflicts you, that weighs you down. Am I not here? I, who have the honor of being your mother? Are you not under my shadow, under my protection? Am I not the source, the reason for your joy? Are you not in the hollow of my mantle? in the crossing of my arms where I protect you. Do you need anything more? Do you still need something? Let nothing else afflict you, anguish you, worry you, and disturb you. Do not let your dear uncle's illness grieve you, because in truth, he will not die now from it. I give you the full assurance that he has already healed. And at that very moment, his uncle was healed, as it later became known. Juan Diego, listening to the kind words of the Queen of Heaven, was greatly consoled by it, and his heart was appeased. And he begged her to immediately send him as a messenger to see the ruling bishop and bring him the token, the proof, so that the bishop would believe him. The celestial queen ordered him to climb to the top of the little hill where he had seen her before and said, Go up, my son, Chicleco no Shokoyo, to the top of the hill, there, where you saw me and where I gave you my mandate. There you will see that various flowers are growing. Cut them, gather them, put them all together. Then come down here and bring them to me. Juan Diego quickly climbed the hill, and when he reached the top, he marveled and admired how many varied and precious flowers there were, like those of Castile, beautiful flowers which had their corollas open, all extended, curdled with bursting buds when it was not yet their time to bloom as the frost had thickened. Their perfume spread a very soft scent, and they were like precious pearls charged with the dew of the night. He immediately began to cut them and gather them all in the hollow of his cloak. He remained surprised by such beauty 
because he had never seen flowers on the top of that hill. What he had seen before in abundance were cliffs, thistles, a great quantity of thorns, nopales, mesquites, and a few little herbs that grew. But in the month of December, the ice devoured everything, annihilating all growth and destroying all. When he finished cutting the flowers, he immediately came down, bringing them to the noble queen of heaven, the various flowers that he had gone to cut for her. And she, seeing them, took them and kindly placed them back in the hollow of his cloak and said, My son, the smallest, no shokoyo. These varied flowers are the proof, the sign that you will take to the bishop. On my behalf, you will tell him to please see my desire, to carry out my will. And you, you are my messenger, since I put all my trust in you. With all rigor, I order you that only you, alone, in the presence of the bishop, you unfold your dilma and show him, show him what you're wearing. And you will tell him in detail how I ordered you to go up to the hill to cut the flowers and everything you saw and admired so that you can convince the ruling priest. And with this, you will move the heart of the great priest so that he intercedes and the deed is done. My temple will be raised, my sacred house, the one I have asked of him. And when the Queen of Heaven, the Celestial Noble Mother, bid him farewell, Juan Diego came straight down the road to Mexico. And there he goes, Juan Diego Guadalatoatzin. He's already joyful. He's already happy, overflowing with delight, his heart calm, because this time, everything will turn out fine. He'll do everything well, and he'll carry the flowers and take exquisite care of what he brings in his cloak, in his tilma. It's not as if something could go wrong. And there he goes, enjoying the aroma of the perfume of the flowers, so different and wonderful. And that aroma makes him happy and gives him confidence and faith that everything will turn out well. And of the third chapter. Donancing Guadalupe, the podcast, is an original production by Guadalupe Radio. Theological Advisor, Father Roberto Figueroa. With special performances by Sal Lopez, Ari Dario, Maritzel Carrero, Jesus Nebot, Efraín Figueroa, Andrés Londono, and Denise Plasor. Soprano, Juliette Plasor. Graphic Designer, Marta Naranjo. Recording, by Gerardo Nevarez and Rafael Valdez. Editor, Ramón Velarde. 
Original music by Maestro Marcos Loya and Juliet Plasor. Script, production, and direction, Denise Plasor. Executive producer and director, René Heredia. Donancing Guadalupe, the podcast. All rights reserved. <laughs>